Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for this gift of this day we have to spend together, and we have to worship you. Thank you for life, Lord God, for the freedom to worship you, for the hope that you fill us with. We pray, Lord, that you would place your word in our hearts, Lord, and in our minds, and that as I proclaim it to your people, Lord, that you would do great and mighty things among us. Thank you, Lord God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning! It's so good to see you all today. Well, today we did the penitential order at the beginning of the service. Yesterday, I was doing the penitentiary order, it felt like. I was uh, chipping off mortar off of old bricks, right? The only thing that was missing was the manacle around my ankle. But I was there all day long, just ting, ting, ting. It was horrible. You ever done that before? Man, we were trying to be a uh, Part of our chimney had gotten pulled down because the, it, was, the, it was falling apart, right? Uh, in the, in the, they were redoing the fireplace, and so they pulled down part of the chimney. They didn't need it anymore. And so we had all these bricks just sitting around in our yard. So we thought, let's build a fire pit. How hard could it be? <laughs> right? So me and Sarah were there yesterday for hours, just ting, ting, ting. But, you know, it's like shooting all over the place. And I'm sore everywhere today. My hands are sore. My knees are sore from like kneeling and digging around. My, I mean, my back is sore. My neck is sore. I got sunburned. I'm like, this is rough stuff. And then we tried to build this fire pit, right? Anyone ever worked with bricks before? Right? It has to, you have to get it nice and level so the bricks will stay level. And then like when you're laying the bricks, you have to like butter them. That's what they call it. Butter them. Isn't that a cool name? It's nothing like butter, right? I love butter. Working with concrete is nothing like that, right? So you stick your brick in there, and mine were always like a little higher than the other one and messed up. My gaps were always varying. I had little bitty gaps and then big ones that you could fit like a car through. It was hard work, and I'm not even done yet, right? I know I have to go back to that and do more of it. It is hard work building that little fire pit. I can't imagine building a wall. But you and I, we build walls really quickly, don't we? Right? When somebody says something to us, offends us, hurts us, what do we build? A wall, right? Somebody we had trusted previously betrays us. What do we put up? How long does it take us to build that wall? (laughs) We can have that sucker up and it can be impenetrable. Right? Before we even know it, that wall can be built. In our gospel passage for today, which I think is uh, vying for our world's longest gospel passage to be read in a church service, um, we have the encounter between Jesus and a woman from Samaria who had built for herself lots of walls. Jesus is traveling through Samaria, and how well did the, the Jews and the Samaritans get along? Not well at all, right? You get hints of that in their conversation. And so he comes to this city called Sychar, and Jesus is tired out for his, from his journey. And so he's resting at Jacob's well. Uh, this is right next to Jacob's ladder, which I'm currently charged a shackle for climbing, if you wanted to give it a shot. Not really, just want to make sure you're awake. A Samaritan woman uh, comes to the well, and Jesus asks her for a drink. She shrugs off his request by asking why a Jewish man would ask a Samaritan woman for a drink. Here's an indication of a barrier she has built, right? between herself as a Samaritan and those other people as Jews, right? Here's one of her little defenses she's put up in her life. 
She keeps her distance. She doesn't want Jesus to be too close. She wants to keep him at arm's length so that she can stay safe. But then Jesus responds to her with something that she did not expect. And isn't that totally like Jesus to do that? Instead of taking the bait and getting into a discussion about who is better, the Jews or the Samaritans, Jesus says instead, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. I bet she didn't see that one coming, right? That's not what you expect when you do give your little, like, parry, you know, with your, you know, why are you a Jew asking me for a drink? She's a little taken aback, which we can imagine she would be, and thrown off her diversionary tactic for a moment. She wonders where Jesus can get this water with no bucket, which is a valid question. Then she remembers her confrontational mode, remembers that she has a barrier there, and so she puts it back up again. She goes, shields to full power. And asks, Jesus, are you saying you're better than our ancestor Jacob? I mean, do you think he was saying that? No, he wasn't really saying that, right? He was saying something completely different, but she's just trying to throw him off, right? She's trying to get him off her tail. And then Jesus, again, does not fall for her tricks, right? He does not allow her barriers to keep him out. And so he says... Everyone who drinks of this well's water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. This woman is genuinely interested now. I mean, she's been dreaming about indoor plumbing Right, And so when Jesus talks about this spring of water gushing up to eternal life, she is engaged. She wants this water. But she is still in the realm of seeing it as physical water. right? The water that you and I drink, the water that we water our lawns with. So Jesus needs to dig deeper with her because she's still on the surface. And that's not where Jesus wants to stay. And so he asks her to call her husband. Do you think this was a confrontational statement by Jesus? Was he aware of her marital history? Yes, which he shows in just a moment, right? He was trying to get to a point of pain in her life, I think. Because oftentimes when we find those points of pain, what's there behind it? A wall, wall, yeah. And so Jesus was trying to get there behind that one, to get to that woman's heart. And so she says she has no husband, Jesus knows this, and then he tells her the Elizabeth Taylor story about broken marriages, right? He goes through and kind of lists them all off for her. Understandably, she doesn't really appreciate this line of conversation. (laughs) This is not where she wanted the conversation to go. You know, this has gone a long way from can I have a drink at this point. And so she again tries to divert the conversation. Jesus has touched a point of pain in her life. And so she's going to try and throw him off. And so once again, she tries to talk about the differences between Jews and Samaritans. But Jesus takes her line of statement about worship, where to worship. And then he speaks about the universalization of worship. That the temple in the future will no longer be the only place. She is pretty sharp, right? And so she connects Jesus' statements 
with prophecies about the Messiah, the Christ, who will proclaim all things to us. And Jesus says, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. This woman then leaves, leaves her, her water jug by the, by the well and goes off to the village, even though she doubts herself that he is really the Messiah. How do we know she doubts? She's not completely sure. Right? Remember her statement. Come and see, I just met a man who told me everything I'd ever done. He can't be the Messiah, can he? Right? There's that question still in her. But her doubt does not hold her back from telling everybody in the village about Jesus. And the villagers are interested. They come to him and see him. And the account closes with these lines. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. Jesus, in his conversation with the Samaritan woman, shows us how committed he is to getting past our defenses. How interested he is in getting to our heart and speaking to our desires, showing us how he is the fulfillment of them all. With this woman, he moved sometimes gently, sometimes a little more forcefully, hearing her unspoken words and revealing how he fulfilled them. You and I, we have this same Savior, the one who is willing to patiently walk with us and touch our hearts. And we need this, don't we? Because we're constantly putting up walls, and we need somebody to graciously and lovingly pull them down for us. Because what happens if we wall off our heart all the way? It hardens, and no one gets in there. And what do we become? Cold, sad, a little dead, in fact. Right? No longer do we have love. No longer can we accept um, gracious gifts from another person because we are always protecting ourselves from other people. And we need Jesus to give us a heart of flesh because we can't tear this down on our own. We put up those walls for good reasons many times, right? Because people can be mean. They can be horrible to us. And so we are just trying to protect ourselves. But when Jesus pulls down the walls, he doesn't just leave us vulnerable. He becomes our defense. He becomes our protection, our hope, our fortress. And he knows us better than ourselves. He knows what we need. He knows what we long for. He knows what our hearts have been yearning for our whole lives. And we need a Savior just like him. And once we have heard his words, once we have engaged with Jesus Christ, he calls us then to go out like the Samaritan woman and share about our experience with him. How much did she know about Jesus when she told the whole village about him? 
Almost nothing. She'd have like a five-minute conversation, most of which she'd been throwing up chaff and diversion to try to get him off, right? Try to get him off her tail to get him away. She knew almost nothing about Jesus, and yet she was willing to share her testimony. And what was her testimony? He told me everything I'd ever done. Is that a well-formulated testimony? Is that one you'd go through like a three-day mini-camp to get trained up on how to share your story? No, no she, just, she just said honestly what she had said, what she felt. He told me everything I did, and everyone else was like, whoa, okay, I want to hear. I want to see this guy. Right? All God asks of us is to share our story, to share how we have engaged with him, the hope that he's placed in our hearts. How has Jesus Christ touched you? And how can you share that news with someone else? God is working in this place. He is working among us. He is in our hearts, tearing down walls, digging underneath them, jumping over them, moving around them, cracking into that Fort Knox, which we make our hearts. And he invites us to share the hope that he has filled us with, with other people. May we be people who allow Jesus to do this work in us, and who then share the good news of what God has done inside of us with others, that they might know him, that they might be set free by their love for him, and that they might share that hope with someone else as well. We have a Savior who loves us enough to patiently walk with this through us. May we share that good hope with others. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you that you don't let us wall ourselves off completely, Lord, but that you break our hearts of stone and you give us a heart of flesh. Help us, Lord God, to receive that new heart from you, to allow you to do your great and powerful but painful work inside of us, Lord God. And we pray that you would place your words in our mouth as we go out to share that hope with others that they might know you, they might love you, and they might follow you as their Savior as well. Thank you, Lord God, for loving us and for dying for us and for giving us your new life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.